Greetings! Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and I'm your host for these Bible study podcasts. Today we are continuing with a review of the key principles of effective Bible study based on a booklet of the same name, which is available from our podcast page at biblestudy.asbzone.com. This podcast series is centered upon the following Bible verse, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what's the goal of this series of studies? To help you obtain greater value from your Bible study and devotional sessions. These episodes are about 15 to 20 minutes each and focus on key principles that God teaches us through his word. Most people know that Bible study is essential to the Christian experience, and many people realize that without prayer, Bible study is futile and unproductive. But there are other, less known principles that the scriptures teach us besides these, and our goal is to help you to know and understand them. They will help you to see God's word in a more expansive way and help you to become just like the noble Bereans of Acts 17, 10 through 12. Before we begin our study together, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for the privilege of Bible study and the opportunity to do it in this format. We ask you to please be with us, grant us wisdom and understanding, and help us to rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's topic, symbols are used consistently in the Bible. As a reminder, we will be reading all of our verses from the King James Version of the Bible. God is consistent in every way, including the symbols that he provides for us throughout the entire Bible. Thus, it is not difficult to discern what lessons are being taught, even in the heavily prophetic books, which tend to rely upon symbols and symbolic language. When you find the Bible definition for a word or item or person that is used symbolically in one passage, you can be sure that the same definition applies to that symbol when it is used elsewhere in the Bible. Here are just a few examples. Waters, multitude of people, and we find that in Revelation 17, 15, Revelation 17, 1, and Daniel 12, 7. Beast, a nation, kingdom, or power. We see that in Daniel 7, 17, Daniel 7, 3, Revelation 13, 1, and 11. Horn, a king or a power. We find that in Daniel 7, 24, Daniel 7, 3, Revelation 13, 1, and 11. And a woman, symbolically, represents a church or religious group, religious people. We find that in Jeremiah 6.2, Revelation 12.1, Revelation 17.3. Sometimes, as in the prophetic book of Daniel, the explanation of the symbol used is given in the general vicinity of the prophecies in which they are used. In Daniel's case, the angel explained to him what the symbols were right away. At other times, such as in the book of Revelation, it is necessary to search through other parts of the Bible in order to find the definitions of the various symbols used. And it usually makes sense to search other prophetic books because it's 
the symbol is being used or the the object or item is being used symbolically so you need to look at where other symbols are being used right every woman in the bible is not representative of a church only when a woman is used symbolically is she representative of a church now we also know that there are some symbols which are used in more than one way but again context and we're going to deal with that in another episode context will help you to know how to use a given symbol the key to remember is that symbols are used consistently throughout the bible so if you find a symbol and you're not sure how to interpret that symbol in a given passage you look in other passages where that symbol is also used and see how you can understand that symbol and you will almost always get the answer so let's look at some of these um, we we gave references already but we're going to look at some of the verses jeremiah 6 2 says i have likened the daughter of zion to a comely and delicate woman okay liken the daughter of zion so here it is zion representing god's people i've likened god's people to a comely and delicate woman this is god speaking through the prophet so that tells you that in many places where you see a woman in a symbolic sense that woman is going to be representing god's people true or false either god's um god's people in a correct state or god's people in an apostate state or god's people in apostasy Revelation 12.1 says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Okay, so you know that that's, even if the book of Revelation gives it away, but even if you weren't in the book of Revelation, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, we should be able to determine that that is not literal, that that is symbolic, simply because... There's no woman big enough who is standing on the moon and wearing the sun. But that woman, clothed, and of course, if you look at how they're clothed, that helps you to understand more things about the context. But we're going to deal with context soon. Ezekiel 23, 1 through 4. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother, and they committed whoredoms in Egypt. They committed whoredoms in their youth. And the names of them were Ahola, the elder, and Aholibah, her sister. And they were mine, and they bare sons and daughters. Thus were their names. Samaria is Ahola, and Jerusalem is Aholibah. Okay, so again, we're in a prophetic book, Ezekiel. You'll notice that all of the the books, all of the quotes that we're dealing with for this principle are prophetic books because we're dealing with symbols. And so here's got the word of the Lord through Ezekiel makes a parallel between two women and they both represent God's people. Samaria representing Israel, the, the northern tribes, and Jerusalem representing Judah, the southern tribes, right? Two women, and, and they're in apostasy. 
right? They committed whoredoms in Egypt. So they're in apostasy. So Revelation 12 was a woman who is in pristine condition. Ezekiel 23 is two women who are not. And they both represent God's people in some state, right? Either in fidelity to God or in apostasy. Revelation 17, 1 through 4. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore which sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Okay, so this passage and the previous one not representing women in a good state and therefore not representing churches in a good state. Right? These two women who are symbolic of God's people or at least of churches um, are not in a good state. Okay, Daniel seven fifteen through 17. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Okay, so we've moved away from women for the moment and we're dealing with animals. And one of the folks who's in the vision tells Daniel, these animals that you see represent four kings or kingdoms. And you'll see that um, kings and kingdoms are often used synonymously, especially when you look at a long prophetic timeline. Obviously, it's not representing a single king, but the kings are are represented by the beasts, the animals. Revelation 13, 1 and 2. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were like were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority okay so again john is not john is seeing symbolically seeing an animal come up out of the water but that animal represents a kingdom or power a kingdom or power right and that this is an awesome study by itself because there's a direct relationship between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. Okay, so God is consistent. He uses symbols consistently. Yes, it is true that there are a few symbols which um, have more than one representation, but again, it's not arbitrary. The context in which you find that symbol will help you to understand how that symbol is to be used or understood. Okay? Not only that, it's also true that a single object can have multiple things that represent it. For instance, 
Jesus is represented by many things. Especially as you go into the sanctuary, Jesus is represented by the showbread. Jesus is represented by the lamb. Jesus is represented by the high priest, right? Typically, all of those symbols won't be used at the same time and they won't be jumped around, right? But the fact is, in any given scenario, you could find Jesus being represented by one or more. Jesus is represented by lots and lots of objects in the sanctuary. Um, and so, I mean, the sanctuary was intended to represent the entire plan of salvation. And since Jesus is our salvation, he's going to be represented by many things inside the, the sanctuary. But having said that, again, God is consistent in the way that he provides the stories. So, for instance, if you look at the different parables that Jesus taught, in parable A, Jesus might be represented by a shepherd. Right? In parable uh, B, right, the prodigal son, uh, God the Father is represented by the Father in that story. Okay? Um, typically, you will not find in a parable or in a specific sequence, you won't find God or Jesus represented by three or four things at the same time. Right? There are times where Jesus would call more than one thing when he's talking to the brethren in, he's talking to the believers in John 6, and he talks about being the bread of life and the water of life, right? When he talks about his broken body and the blood, those are the, those are few times where the sit, where you see more than one symbol. And again, the symbol, even then, if you look at the crucifixion, the bread is his body. The wine is his blood. So it's not, they're both aspects of him. They're both parts of him, but they, they are not him. God uses the symbols in a way that it is easy to understand. You know, he's not going to throw together four or five symbols at once that mean the same thing or mean something arbitrary and you don't know how to interpret them. Another thing to understand is sometimes God's people are represented collectively as the bride of Christ. But sometimes it's the New Jerusalem that is referenced directly as the Bride of Christ. And you have to look at the context to understand that. And why is that important? Well, for instance, in the parables in Matthew 25, where the foolish virgins, five wise, five foolish, they're waiting for the marriage, but they're not getting married to, to Christ. Right? They are Christ's people, but they're not getting married to him. In that parable... The five wise and the five foolish are waiting for the marriage to take place. And that's a, that's a deeper study, but you need to understand that, right? You, you want to be careful. Otherwise, you'll envision that some of his people are being married to him, but some of his people are the bridesmaids. And that would not, that would not be consistent with the parable. Okay. Strictly speaking, it is the new Jerusalem that is the bride of Christ, that the Bible, Revelation 21 says that quite plainly. The relationship between Christ and his people is often represented by marriage, but that's to show the closeness more than anything else. Okay. So, just as a reminder, 
Sometimes, as in the prophetic book of Daniel, the explanation of the symbols used is given in the general vicinity of the prophecies in which they are used. And at other times, such as in the book of Revelation, it is necessary to search through other parts of the Bible in order to find the definitions of the various symbols which are used because they are not given nearby or as conveniently. Okay? Thanks for taking this time to study with us today. We encourage you to prayerfully review the booklet in conjunction with this recording. Let's close our study with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for opportunity to dig a little bit more into these key principles. We pray that you'll help us as we continue through this study, and we pray that those who are listening will be able to follow along with the booklet. And as we continue through this series, we pray that it will be enriching for all concerned. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening in. And if you have any questions, be sure to send them to biblequestions at asbzone.com and we will do our best, by God's grace, to provide you with biblical answers to those questions. And if you are finding these studies to be a blessing, please let us know and be sure to share them with others. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you study His Word.